my brand was me, basically. The way I made a movie, the way I um, told the story was, was my brand. <laughs> and that's what people, what the market then wanted and they called me to ask them to produce their films. Our guest this week knows a thing or two about communicating without using too many words, thanks to her extensive experience as a filmmaker and her passion for DJing. Hello, and welcome to Speak Like a CEO, the leading podcast series on CEO communications. I'm Lena Carlson, and I'm here with my co-host Oliver Ass, the CEO of EOIPSO. Our guest today is Linda Boschkowski, the founder and CEO of Female Music Force, a platform that promotes female DJs and aims at creating party soundtracks that get the dance floor moving and create truly memorable events. What is most interesting about her story is how she is building a successful company through word of mouth alone. Linda and the DJs are able to really connect with people so that they reach out again to her and spread the word about her business. I think this is an extremely powerful lesson on how people can be the best marketing vehicle. Enjoy this episode. Hi Linda. Hi Oliver. Hi Lena. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. It's nice to have you here, and that's certainly an impressive introduction, um, and you've done lots of things. I'd love to hear about uh, the venture you're working on right now, which is Female Music Force. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I, I started out, I founded uh, Female Music Force this, this summer. We just went online. It's an agency. Most people understand it as an agency for female DJs. But what we're actually doing is connecting female DJs to parties, corporate and private parties. And I'm focusing on mixed party music, which is something that's missing in Berlin. People connect to me word to mouth, like Oliver was saying, asking me to DJ their party because most DJs do electronic music in Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> Before we maybe dive into your newest venture, Female Music Force, um, if we can take a step back and maybe talk a little bit about film. And you obviously had a very long career in film, uh, won some awards, worked on big productions, and um, I'm sure there's some learning in terms of communications um, as a set of a film is obviously, um, you know, where communication matters, but also the film itself, obviously the narrative and how to tell a story and how to get a message across. Can you tell us a bit how you got into filmmaking and, and your career in that area? I started working as a filmmaker when I was a student. Um, I, I was um, learning about documentary filmmaking and direct cinema, and I decided I have to go into the practical side, so I took a camera and started um, direct cinema filmmaking at university and made my first own films on big cameras <laughs> with big tapes and going into the editing room. After that, I went into production companies. As you were saying, I, I also um, landed in a Hollywood movie making in the, on the production side and learned everything about sets and how they work and how what is needed for a big feature film to be made. And worked with Kevin Spacey and Gianni Amelio, uh, an independent Italian filmmaker and an Indian filmmaker maker and um, then decided to found my own company, my own production company, because I wanted to get more into the creative side of filmmaking, because that's what, more where my skill is, figuring out stories to communicate complex topics. I started out on a project doing advertising, um, cinema advertising for sustainable development, and it was a two-year project, and we made six films for, for cinema, six short 30-second to 
60-second movies, uh, films on um, all aspects of sustainable development. That was um, the beginning of the 2000s, so we're very early on the topic. And we were looking for an aesthetic, uh, how to communicate. And that's where I actually learned that I love short films because you have a different connection to the audience. Um, you can incorporate the audience um, through asking questions, showing a picture and opening up the space in the heads of the audience. Yeah, and then I, I went on and founded a, a small company where I produced uh, films for corporates and institutions especially and got more and more into the topic of education, preschool education and made my name there. And that that's probably what you're getting at, word to mouth. Um, my brand was me, basically. The way I made a movie, the way I... Um, told the story was was my brand <laughs> and that's what people what the market then wanted and they called me to ask them to produce their films so more like the artist way of of making movies it's super fascinating you talk about like hollywood like oh yeah i just showed up and made a couple of films with famous people obviously easier said than done i think um and you kind of talked about it a little bit in terms of word of mouth marketing i guess that's also the power of networking and i was super interested to kind of get your perspective on how you kind of build those relationships with quite powerful people well, um, getting into Hollywood productions wasn't that hard because, um, yeah, you just put that wish out there and you say, I want to make movies and you always know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. <laughs> so that's true. It's networking and they put you into the office there. And once you're, once you're in the office as a runner, you start out on a small position. Um, it's like a big family bobbles back and the studio bobbles back. So once you're in the, in the scene, you're in. Yeah, and then it's not like I built a relationships to Kevin Spacey or anything. I mean, I, of course, I went to his flat for a production party and stuff like that. But you don't really get closer. I, that was never my issue, getting close. I wanted to learn more about filmmaking. Yeah, and they've got so many people around them. And you're more a service provider in the production as well, making their life comfortable. And um, Would you say that the underlying art of storytelling is similar in a big Hollywood production to a 30 second short? No, it's not similar. I mean, the basics are similar. You always have to have a, I don't even know what it's called in English, a vendepunkt. You have to have a turning point in the story for it to be interesting for an audience. You don't want to see um, the happy, happy movie all the time. You have to have a, a <laughs> trouble or something happening to the protagonist in the film. You need to have a story. Yeah. And in 60 seconds or 30 seconds, you, of course, also try to put in a story and you refer to uh, things people already know. So they have more reference points. Um, yeah, so you don't tell them things. Uh, you ask questions and you involve the imagination to make it bigger. Uh, you only have 30 seconds, so you need to put it out there and work with what's out there already and really talk to your audience, but you don't talk to them, you talk with them. It's sort of more like a dialogue. I always say the movie, the film is in between the audience and the screen. That's where the movie's happening. So you say the movie is like a dialogue. What kind of dialogue should it create between, I guess, the people making the film and the audience? There's, um, the, the film should, should leave a, an emotion. I mean, that's what film is good at, um, putting an emotion out there. So if you have a topic like sustainable development and you want people to start um, changing their behavior, like go into the propaganda <laughs> a direction of communication, you have to make people feel good about being sustainable. But you don't do that, and I don't feel 
interested in sustainability if I see people feeling good at being sustainable because that has no connection to me. So the film has to talk to me directly and ask me a question that stays in my mind and uh, keeps me interested in the topic. Yeah. A lot of the popular movies, I think, are very uh, on your nose, right? So they're very obvious. They tell you what to think or how to feel almost, right? Is, is that fair? And, and is that, you know, how, how, can you, how could you do it better if you're telling a story? Is it more the, the, the show rather than tell or the make people feel rather than tell them? Yeah, it's more make feel and you don't tell. You're not the teacher as a, as a filmmaker, You involve the imagination of the audience. Um, it's one-to-one. -one. The film is talking directly to you, to me as the audience. It needs to touch me at certain points in, in, inside of me so that I remember it, that I, that I think about what it's trying to say. And of course, a short film like a 30-second um, advertisement has different elements. It has the moving picture. It has the sound what we're hearing and it has the music which can touch us emotionally and it also has a uh, text in the picture in the image you can put a slogan or something inside that you attach like a brand that you can take away as an audience so bringing this back to female music force now um i guess you're also telling a bit of a story with your company now in terms of I guess the DJ landscape right now is quite challenging for women to get into, but obviously our time is coming and you're bringing together a lot of female DJs, you know, under one name to kind of get out there and say, hey, we can do this just as well. Yes. Um, what I noticed out there is that um, if you're looking for a, a female DJ in Berlin, you go to Weltbeste Jungs, which is already which is already interesting name for a party DJ platform to find a party DJ. It's all about boys. And you only find two women in Berlin you can book. And I don't know, like 300 men. So there's more out there visible and accessible. Then I started looking on Instagram and I found lots of female DJs there. Um, and I also found that females or women are more likely to think DJing is more like a hobby. It's something they do next to their real job. They don't see it as a professional part. They, they, feel it's more like a hobby so they don't have websites and they don't go out promoting themselves i don't actually know why that's the case that's something i want to find out with female music force that's also like a big research project for me and the story here is more there's parties always and uh, that's a platform for djs to work and why not put more females out there so that they get more practice that they're more visible that they maybe start seeing it more as a professional job they can actually do to earn their living and it's not just a hobby or something they do for fun yeah you, you sort of get confused the same thing happened to me too it's like something you do and it's so much fun you can't really believe it's a job so <laughs> that's one learning for me yes having fun can be a job and it should be actually That sounds nice. <laughs> so what differentiates Female Music Force from other um, booking platforms or, um, you know, agencies where you, can, where you can find DJs? Well, you can find DJs um, on my website or talk to me. Um, what differentiates me mainly is a DJ usually is a person, usually a male person, um, who's a service provider, uh, who knows all about the technical side of things and who knows how to put up the lights and the PA, who gets prepared and is all into the nerdy technical
Kostav. And uh, of course, this DJ hates requests. That's the main picture out there. He hates people, usually, anyway, because they just come and they don't know anything about music. Um, the picture more is like, I'm the expert and you're the dancer, so you dance to my music. That's like the... I wouldn't say all male DJs have this picture, but that's like what DJs talk about on platforms. Like, oh, requests are really stupid and everyone's really... Yeah, you sort of hate the people. Um, that's what I found out there in the platforms of DJs talking about parties and stuff. And that's what I want to change. I mean, female music is a force is all about requests. It's all about what you want to listen to. We do party music, which means... We play on memories, not on beats. If you're doing electronic music, you go more to the physical side of music and DJing. You you take the heartbeat of the dancer and um, you sort of influence that through the music. And what Female Music Force is doing is taking like, Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and, and playing on the memories of everyone on the dance floor. Like, oh, I remember I was a kid when that was playing and... It's a bit different. And then, of course, to do that, I need to know who's dancing. So I talk to the people booking us and ask where they're from, what music they listen to, what are their favorite songs, and what guests are they awaiting. And we also always have a, a wish book that we put out. Because one thing about requests that's really nerve-wracking is that people come and want to talk to you behind the decks, which I actually I can't do. I'm I'm very bad at um, at multitasking, so talking and mixing at the same time is really hard for me. So more out of practical reasons, I I invented this uh, wish book that I put out, and everyone can write their music there. So I'm hey I'm right there where I'm with 30 second films I'm involving the dance floor in contributing to the party so everyone feels involved and feels more part of the party and yeah so it's more about that female music force like taking what all my experience I've had for the past 20 years DJing and putting it out there in a brand I think music's such a powerful force um, and people really do associate different memories with different songs. You know, everyone has a wedding song or a love song or a sad song, whatever it is that they associate with a certain memory. Um, And I think it's really cool that you kind of take people's requests and really make sure you deliver on that. One thing I find in different parties is sometimes DJs can read the room really well and sometimes they don't do it at all. What's your kind of take on reading the room to kind of sense what kind of vibe you should put out there in terms of music? I think I actually don't have a method for that. You sort of have to connect. Um, and there's a flow there sometimes, which is wonderful if it happens and you connect to the dance floor. And sometimes it doesn't work 100%. It's more about making sure, talking to the party makers before to figure out who might connect best, best to the dance floor, to the guests. So it's all about age, being in the sort of same age, um, being in the experience of different music styles and having a feeling for the people. Yeah. There's no formula for that. I think it's something you have to be alert and you sometimes you get into the, most of the time you get into the flow, but it does happen that you don't. <laughs> yeah. And that's really hard then because you really have to work hard then as a DJ. Then, yeah, time goes by really slowly and you, every song you're discussing with yourself, do I put this or this because you don't have a flow. Yeah, flow, I imagine flow must be really important. 
What I wanted to ask you is about word of mouth, because um, if I understand correctly, that most of your sales and bookings are generated through word of mouth rather than, say, Google AdWords. You don't type in DJ Berlin and <clears throat> find you guys, but rather to, um, you know, by, by people who organize parties, passing on your name, your number, the website, and uh, that generates a lot of bookings. So how do you, how do you explain that? Is, is it something you've um, initiated or something that's deliberate or is it something that just happens? Well, first of all, it just happened because DJing was more like a hobby for me. So I started partying uh, with my guests and uh, my book, the people who booked me, and they... Uh, have guests on the dance floor and they remember the party and they loved the party. So they ask the host of the party, Hey, give me the number of your DJ. And then they call you. That was very interesting actually, because it was like knocking on my door. I was not officially DJing for about four years and I had no website and no, no card or anything, no business card. And people were still calling me after four years. They're like, Oh, I found your number through this and this person who knew this and this person. And then they told me you were working there. And then I Googled you and then I found you. And like, there were amazing stories of people trying to figure out how to get in touch with me. So I guess it's something that you do for the dance floor. You create a new memory out of by playing old memories and people remember that and then they want that for their party they want that for their wedding uh, they want that for their uh, birthday party they want that for their corporate party as well and that's how word to mouth I guess works it's a bit of an entrepreneur's dream isn't it that you don't have to go out and, and sort of actively sell the the service but people come to you and you see well there's there's a demand I should set up a company to to fulfill that demand yeah that's exactly what happened this summer that I thought okay if they're still calling me I maybe I should do something with this <laughs> and what are you doing now you have a website and social media is that correct yes I have a website um, femalemusicforce.de and I'm putting up um, a blog and a podcast um, with female DJs where we talk about DJing and music. And um, I have social media channels. I have Instagram, which I use mainly to connect to female DJs globally. And uh, those few female DJ agencies that are out there. There's one in London and one in Brazil and one in Australia. And we're connecting. Then I use Facebook, which is my longest uh, social media platform where I have lots of followers. And they're all my friends and they help me um, create playlists for parties. And I involve them when I have, uh, when I'm looking for somebody to help me with something yeah they i guess soundcloud and, and platforms like that are quite helpful right to to showcase to people what kind of music you play yeah you have spotify soundcloud and um mixcloud to show your music yeah is there any particular um anecdote from from djing that relates to communications um that you would like to share with us well there's so many stories i mean um Every party is special and every party has a story. Um, my last party last weekend was with two uh, groom, grooms uh, and they booked me because they wanted a DJ to be a part of their party. They don't, didn't want a service um, provider. They wanted somebody who felt like he was having fun himself or herself at the party. So the, the highlight was me dancing with one of the grooms and the whole dance floor uh, clapping and <laughs> screaming and thinking it was fun that the DJ's dancing with the groom. 
And I don't know, there's so many stories. I had one production company I DJed for the whole production. It was, went six months and they called me uh, like every few weeks. Oh, Linda, we want to party tomorrow night. Uh, come by with your stuff and so we can have fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think partying is a part of, of life. And it should be done often. <laughs> so book female music force and get the right DJ for your party. It sounds great. I really love your philosophy towards DJing. Um, any final advice uh, before we go? Oh, I want all female DJs and musicians out there who are listening to this. I hope there are some. Or if you know somebody, to get in touch with me. Uh, we're planning a, a meetup for female DJs and just networking and getting everyone together. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks. Thank you so much, Linda. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Speak Like a CEO. For bonus material from the show and to learn more about this week's amazing guest, make sure to head to our website, howtospeaklikeaceo.com and sign up to our newsletter to receive exclusive offers. Don't forget, our book of the same name is also out now and available to buy online. You can also find us on Twitter at likeaceo underscore and Instagram at eurobsocoms for the latest updates from the show. See you next time.